Good morning. So glad to see you. I asked a couple of um, my favorite teens over there to pull out some extra chairs so that um, as people come in, they'll find a place to sit down. And um, it is all good. Welcome to the second Sunday in Advent as we journey to Bethlehem. We are delighted that you are here with us. And today, we are going to be celebrating communion. So when you came in, you should have gotten a little baggie with the communion element in it, and if not, you can go out any time to grab it. My only little instruction is that when we do partake of this, we do the bread first. Take the bread and then flip it over to do the cup, and then after you take the cup, to put it back in the Ziploc baggie so it doesn't drip on you. So that's the, my big, and I'll let you know when it's time to do that. So I want to give you a quick update on the angel tree adoptions. Drum roll. You did it. Congratulations. We adopted every single angel that they gave us, and because of you, we will, lots of people, young and old, will get to experience um, a Christmas just a little bit sweeter this year. If you happen to have two hours that you can spare, we still have some spots for the bell ringing, so feel free to call our front office to do that. We get to have an adoption, an adoption. A baptism today, so this is really exciting. <laughs> It'll be a little bit later, so we're so glad you're here, and lots of energy and good noise. Um, we get to talk a little bit about Christmas. As we prepare for Christmas, this Wednesday, um, Genevieve is doing a, the music of Advent, and what she is um, doing is having a different guest come with her each time. This week, it's Dr. Morgan Roberts, who wrote that little book, Carols to Sing at Christmas. So they will be talking about Christmas carols. I'm sure Genevieve will be playing a little bit of music. So all you need is your hot chocolate and your computer. Register to do that on Zoom. And if you have the time, just before that, you can join us under the tree for Christmas Under the Stars, and our little preschool families will be singing Christmas carols to us, and you will hear the Christmas story in a creative way. It's only from 5.30 to 6 this Wednesday. Uh, we are still receiving Christmas flower dedications through December 14th. Just call the front office for information about that. All of this next information about our Christmas services is on our website, so you don't have to pay too much attention, but it's on the screen as well. I just want to highlight for you that our first service will be right here on the 21st, and it is the longest night service. And it's a beautiful service for any of us who have experienced loss. Um, I know there's been an awful lot of heartache around lately, but we come and we light candles and we pray and there's some just beautiful uh, meditative music. It'll be right here on that Monday the 21st at 6 o'clock. You need to register for that. Then for the rest of the services, starting on Christmas Eve Eve, we're at Siesta Beach with um, maybe needing some people to read, so let me know. Um, We'll be doing um, Christmas carols and the Christmas story, so all you need is a chair and a friend. And then back on this campus on Christmas Eve, services at 3, 5, 7, and 9. The only one inside is 3 o'clock in the sanctuary. You would need to register for that. There'll be no singing, but it'll be a beautiful Christmas Eve service. 5, 7, and 9 are under the tree. Um, the 5 o'clock is still geared towards families, um, so we will do some Christmas singing, lighting candles, and celebrating the birth of Christ in that fun way. We also will have the service online. 
a traditional online seven o'clock service yeah. for um, any of you that feel like you're not, it's not safe to come out. Uh, I think I've got all of it. I think we are ready to worship God. So I would love to invite Justin and the band to come out and get started. Thank you. <laughs> Please stand. What's that? Oh, I don't. Forever, 
So I'd like to invite the McFall family to come forward to light the Advent candle for today. Good morning. That's really loud. Um, my name is Andrew McFall. Amber Alert, just a moment. I think we're all here now. No, we're all back. Um, my name is Andrew McFall, and we're the McFall family. And this is my son, Cal, Matthew, Stuart, and my wife, Anne. So we're pleased to be in worship with you today. Um, because of war, because of violence in our communities, because there is still so much unrest around the world, we light a candle of peace. Because hatred is still so strong, because so many swords have not yet been beaten into plowshares, we light a candle of peace. May the light from this candle overwhelm the world. May the light from this candle say to all that God's peace is coming on earth as it already is in heaven. Friends, be not afraid. God's peace is at hand. As we stand to worship God, let us light the Christ candles on our tables. Thank you, McFall family. So if you'd light the candles on your tables, that would be great. And while you're doing that, I'd like to invite the Roberts family to come up. Today is a really special day in the life of our church. Not only do we get to experience the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, but we also get to celebrate the sacrament of baptism. And we only do two sacraments in the Presbyterian tradition, so it's really great to have this opportunity to do this together, and we got half the family, that's, we're, that's pretty good, we can get half done and then we can yeah. do the other half, so it's all good. Um, it's something interesting about us baptizing little people, right, infants or people before they're ready to say yes back to God, and part of that is consistent with our theology that God always makes the first move. So if you are baptized as an infant, you get to think about how God claimed you and loved you before you could even say yes. And Nick and Julie, I have made this decision for their boys. And you guys all started like this, by the way. And then you get to eighth grade and you get to confirm your faith for yourself or even as an adult later. So it is such a beautiful time for us to be together like this. So the family makes promises, we make promises, so we're going to get right to that. So Nick and Julie, do you reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, do you? Do you claim God's covenant promises on your children's behalf, and do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation as you do your own, do you? You do, excellent. And do you... Do you now unreservedly promise in humble reliance upon God's grace to set before Jacks and Brooks an example of the new life in Christ? Excellent. And now for all of you, because we know that a family doesn't do this alone, right? They need us. 
do you, the members of this congregation, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of their children, so that in due time that they may confess their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, do you? Excellent. They need to hear that. And will you endeavor by your example and fellowship to strengthen their ties with the household of God? Will you? Excellent. Let us pray. We thank you, O God, for the waters of baptism, for naming and claiming us as your own. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized by John and anointed with your spirit. By the baptism of his own death and resurrection, Christ sets us free from sin and death and opened the way to eternal life. Pour out your spirit upon these waters and upon Jacks and Brooks that they may grow more and more into your likeness and that they be empowered to do your will, to share your love, and to be your light in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So who's going to go first? Jax, are you going to go? <laughs> Brooks, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father. And I baptize my blanket too. In the name of the Son. And the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You ready, Jax? I could hey, I could give him a little baptism too. Come on, right over here. Jack's child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, it's so beautiful. Do we see Miss Carol here? There she is. Come on up, Miss Carol. Julia and Nick, um, it's my, it makes me so happy to be able to welcome little ja Jacks and little Brooks into the family of faith. I have um, to help you on your journey. We're all here to help you and to love you and to be right beside you in all your journey in the faith that you have with your family. And um, I'd like to present you with your certificate for the boys and a little Bible book that they can get started yeah, with you. Congratulations. Congratulations. Oh, my gosh. So we are at that point in the service, which is um, our moment of gratitude, where we get to give back to God. We worship God in this way by giving our tithes and our offerings, and you all are so faithful in joining us as we um, work on our mission of loving God and loving neighbor. And, of course, there are baskets on the tables as you leave, or you can give online, or you can give by check. So whatever, um, however you choose to give, we thank you for your generosity and for that partnership. So we would like to now take just a few moments to um, share our prayer concerns and um, lift those up for your faith family who are here in this room and those who are watching at home. How can we be praying on this day? Olivia. So Olivia was saying her friend Spencer passed away on Monday. He was hit by a car. 
on, it was, he got out of, was there a small, is this the one there's a small accident and he got out of the car and then he got hit by a car? Oh, Lord have mercy. Thank you. So we'll keep Spencer and his family. Yeah, Jackie. Thank you. Bill's going to repeat that for us so they can hear it on the... So continued prayers for Sharon's husband who's diabetic. Thank you. Wow, five times. Five times, wow. Thank you. We'll... Yeah, Sherry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Sherry, what's your daughter's name? So Tori just lost her baby. She was 21 weeks along. Um, thank you. And this was her little girl. So we'll keep Tori in our prayers this week as well. Anne, are you going to share with us? I think Anne's got her mic to share a prayer concern as well. Did you turn it off or is it on? I, it's on. Great. Thank you. Um, just want to lift up all the friends um, of Kevin who passed away in a car accident on Friday night, a Sarasota High School junior. Um, Church of the Palms nicely allowed us to use the Palm Center last night to bring these kids together to comfort each other and take solace in each other as they are really grieving. And um, I particularly lift up Luke Binswanger, who it was his best friend, and um, the brother and sister were there um, speaking. And um, it was uh, wow. quite a powerful moment. So I just appreciate Church of the Palms for being there for this community. And um, again, just so sad to see all these friends so sad so there was the horrible accident that you may have read about in the paper um, and one of the young boy young boys 16 was killed um, two others have been in the hospital um, were unconscious I think one perhaps joined um, became mm -hmm. conscious anyway but just horrific and it's like our worst nightmare right for I don't know if that's, does she want it read aloud? Okay. So thank you for that reminder, Bill, because I wanted to let you guys know that we do have a prayer station in the back where you can write your prayers down, and um, they had been a place for a private prayer, so if you wanted someone to be praying for something, but apparently this was to be read aloud. Thank you. So two, one for Tom and Rich, who have had back surgery, and another for Chantel, not doing well, and hospice is involved. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll keep those in our mind as well. Anything else? Wow. All right. Well, let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, the world is aching. There is so much brokenness, and so much hurt and so much sorrow. 
We pray, Lord, for your presence to be felt in a very tangible way to all these families who are hurting so much. We pray, Lord, that you would use us as instruments of your love and peace. We pray, Lord, that you would come, Lord Jesus, and heal us all, heal our hearts. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. A little chorus of angels up there. So. <laughs> we are going to be talking about angels today, and we are in the midst of this reflection on uh, the fruit of the Spirit of patience. And we uh, find ourselves maybe in the midst of this COVID season, uh, needing more and more patience and trying to wait upon God to speak to us. And so, especially in Advent, it's good for us to reflect upon the patience of those that took the journey to Bethlehem, wondering what God might be up to. And two of those people are featured in this story from Luke chapter 1, Zechariah and Elizabeth. So let's hear the word of God. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside and then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and with the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. And the angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. And when he did come out, he could not speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his own home. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh God, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. I saw an angel the other day. 
I was uh, driving through my neighborhood. It was nearing dusk when all of a sudden there was this light, this glowing light in the distance. A second before there was no light, but now there was this light. So I inched closely toward the light, and the closer I got, the more I could make out a shape, and the closer I got still, the shape began to take a form, and the closer I got still, the form took on the figure of a human, an illumined human, an illumined human with robe and wings. I was, it was standing on someone's front lawn, the angel transfigured in light, this angel whose light, as it turns out, was sourced by the outlet of the house, the timer of which was triggered by the setting sun. This was the middle of November, and so it reminded me early that angels were coming. Prepare the way of the angels. Like migrating birds, they left us about 10 months ago, but now they're back, and now they're all over the place, on our lawns, on our Christmas cards, on TV specials, on bookstore shelves, flip through the cable guide, and there are angels fluttering all about, angels in the outfield, angels in our pocket, angels named Clarence, angels named Michael. Angels close enough to touch us. There are angels all over the place. And I suppose in 2020, that's a good thing because we want some angels. And we like angels. Three out of the four of us believe in angels. One half of American adults believe they have a guardian angel. One third of American adults claim that they have been in the presence of an angel. Angels poll really well. And we sense their presence. Why do we think this? Well, is it perhaps that so many angels are fluttering about because God has sent an extra battalion of heavenly hosts these days? Or is it because we are growing more and more fond of the idea that there might be something, someone out there who is watching over us? For it appears that angels these days have taken on the form of heavenly beings who quietly and mysteriously watch over us, give us a cozy sense of security, assist us in what we want done. Every once in a while, we hope they'll protect us from harm's way, which is all well and good, for this is what we yearn for God to be for us. It's why we love Christmas so much, because angels are moving about, reminding us that God is still up there in his heavens, and that there is this divine benevolence in our midst. And we love the Bible stories where angels come to bring help, like when Jesus brought, you know, was struggling through the wilderness, and the angels came and ministered to him, and Elijah, when he was making his way through the desert, an angel came to feed him. Signs, you see, of this divine benevolence. But then when you take a little deeper look into the scriptures, what we learn is that the angels, when they bring with them this divine benevolence, also have a way of scaring us out of our minds. More often than not, when angels show up in the Bible, they tend to terrify, turn worlds upside down, ask the impossible, tell the hard truth, surprise the dickens out of us, handicap us sometimes, and never leave us the same. An angel will never leave you the same. In fact, if your life has not been changed, then you probably haven't been visited by an angel. So it makes sense that angels are showing up all over the place during the Advent story. The world is about ready to be inalterably changed. People are about to have their lives turned upside down. So that's, of course, why angels show up. So Luke tells this world-altering story of Jesus, and the first thing he tells us about the story of Jesus is that it all begins with an angel. 
the angel Gabriel and his visit to Zechariah, old man Zechariah, the faithful priest in Jerusalem who, along with his wife Elizabeth, have been doing all that they've been told to do. They've been living righteous lives, but still there's this empty spot. There's this empty spot at their dining room table. They have no children, and having no children... That back in those days meant that God was not looking favorably upon you, that you know, God was not happy with something. We know that's not the case these days, but, but they did back then think that. Nevertheless, Zechariah keeps up with his duties as a priest, and the lot falls to him to perform the most sacred of all duties. He's to enter the Holy of Holies, and he is to offer prayers of incense on behalf of the people. And it's in the Holy of Holies where Zechariah receives a visit from an angel. And this very holy man, this, this man practiced in the arts of religion, this man very much in tune with the sacred, who when the angel appears, gets scared out of his mind. And the angel says, be not afraid, Zechariah, because that's what angels always say, because that's what they tend to do to people. They scare them out of their minds. Be not afraid, Zechariah. I know your patience is thin. I know you're giving up hope. And I know that the last thing you think is going to happen is actually the thing that is going to happen. Your beloved bride, Elizabeth, will be with child, and this child will usher in the Messiah and chalk it up to fear and surprise and disbelief. But Zechariah asks, how will I know? which seemed to me always a strange question to ask, because sooner or later, Zechariah is going to know. Sooner or later, he's going to know that Elizabeth's pregnant. All he needs to do is wait. Wait long enough. Be patient long enough, and he'll know. But maybe Zechariah is a little bit like you and me in that he doesn't want to have to wait. He needs to know something now, because if he doesn't know something now, he's going to wonder if this visit from the angel is a psychotic break. He wants to be sure now. He wants Amazon Prime now. How will I know? And that's when the angel gets terrifying. Because that's when the angel says to Zechariah, You want to know, Zechariah? This is how you'll know. You will be quiet. You will be silent. And out of your quiet and your silence, you will see and hear God's doing God's thing. The first Advent angel tells us to be quiet. Now, if there's anything that you and I don't like to be told, it is to be quiet. When we were young and our parents told us to be quiet, we didn't like it. When we were a little bit older and our teachers told us to be quiet, we didn't like it. When we became adults, when someone tells us to be quiet, we not only don't like it, we are offended by it. How dare you tell me to be quiet? But God says, be quiet. It is this word this word of the first Advent angel that maybe is the greatest invitation for us to receive as we make our way through Advent, to be quiet, to be silent. And how true we know it to be that if we can recall the holiest moments of our lives, chances are in those moments our mouths were shut. We weren't speaking. 
we were listening and we heard God speak. Somehow, some way, we heard God speak. In John's great revelation that we find at the end of Scripture, there is that dramatic moment when the Lamb opens the seven seals of the word that God has for the world. And as the seven seals are opened, great and dramatic things are revealed, including the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the saints of heaven and the cosmos collapsing. And then comes the seventh seal, the climactic seventh seal, the final revelation. And the Lamb opens the seventh seal and there is... Complete silence. And John says, out of the silence I saw. When we are silent, God has us to see and hear. As I stood and witnessed the birth of my child, oh sure, there were doctors and nurses talking and there were monitors beeping and there were mothers pushing, but then there came that moment when she appeared in the world and there was just this one moment when it was silent. Thank God it was silent because God was speaking. So how silly for us to complain that God doesn't speak to us like he did to our mothers and fathers of long ago when in fact it may be our noise that's not letting God get at the word edgewise to the late Dallas Willard in his great book on prayer talks about prayer as you and I listening for God and he asks this penetrating question, are you living a listening kind of life? Would it be a reasonable thing, given the noise of your life, for God to try to speak? Be quiet, God says, at the risk of even making us mad. God says, shh. We are nine months into COVID. Nine months, as long as Elizabeth kept her child, as long as Zechariah shushed his mouth. It's a long time to be quiet, a long time to wait. And we've been kicking and screaming and climbing the walls of our homes, and we are desperate to be out and about and see people and talk to people and return to normal and fill our lives with chat and small talk and crowds. But then the angel comes and says, shh. A little longer. The Lord of hosts is with us. And the moments are still pregnant. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. Sings the great carol. And with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly minded. For with blessing in his hand. Christ our God to earth descendeth. And our full homage to demand. When asked what he would prescribe for the troubled world, Soren Kierkegaard, the great Danish philosopher, said, silence, I would create silence. So the angel quiets the old man. For nine months, he quiets the old man. And without the sound of his voice, what do you think he might have heard and seen? The beat of his own heart, the breath of his own lungs, the gentle sigh of his expected wife, the leap inside her womb, the song of Cousin Mary, the movement of the stars, the play of the neighbor's children, the prayer of his fellow priests, the chorus of the crickets, the breath of the angels, the still small voice inside calling, 
do you think Zechariah might have heard and seen in his imposed silence? And how reasonable it would have been for God to speak to him. The time when the old man went, hush. Be still, writes the psalmist, and know that I am God. Be still for just a bit. Do the world a favor and hush. For the time is pregnant, says the angel, and God is whispering. And oh, what new things are on their way. On the first Sunday of the month, we get to celebrate communion together. We come to this table with words and thoughts bouncing around in our minds. And if you're like me, it's pretty noisy in here and out there. We come to this table with expectations, with a bit of sorrow for all of the loss we have been witnessing and experiencing we come with some sin that still seems to be clinging to us and maybe even a tinge of regret. We come to this table hungry for connection, longing to be whole. We come to this table searching for peace, afraid to hope. Jesus opens his arms wide and he says, friends, come. Come just as you are. And Jesus says, hush, be quiet, and listen. Jesus says, you are loved, and you belong to me. There is nothing that you can do or not do to diminish my love. Do not be afraid because I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Hush, come to the table, listen, and believe. Hear now the words of the institution of the Lord's Supper. On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks for it, and then he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this and remember me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you all for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection until he comes again, and friends, he will come again. Let us pray. Pour out your spirit, O God, upon these your gifts, that they might be for us your real presence in our lives. Quiet us now and speak to our heart, so that we might follow you more closely so that we might be your hands and feet in a world that is dark and so needs your love. All this we ask in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Friends, the gifts of God for the people of God, you may now partake of your communion elements starting with the bread. Rejoice, Emmanuel, 
shall come to thee, O Israel. Rejoice, O God, for you have come. You are God with us, Emmanuel. Help us, O Lord, to be quiet and to take him in. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>